Hey, everyone. Hi. Hello. Welcome to another episode of Alice. Hey, Reza- now. Greg, what are you doing here? Hey, what do you mean? What I- Allison, where did you, you come from, Greg? I came from the world of childish, and I just want to make sure that your listeners know that you're just as wonderful on the, on the other podcast you do. What if they don't have kids? Don't need them. You don't need them. A lot of our listeners actually tell us they don't have kids. We talk about sex. We talk about all sorts of dirty stuff, but also parenting stuff. Yeah, so. Check out Childish, new episodes every Wednesday, wherever you listen to podcasts. Hey everyone, hi, hello, welcome to another episode of Allison Rosen is your new best friend. I am very excited for our guest today. He is a legend, a titan, a, another word for legend or titan, and we will be bringing him in shortly. But first, I must chat with Tony. Hello, Tony. I have to give you a couple updates on things that we have discussed before. How are you doing? I'm doing all right. You know, it's nice to be on with a fellow titan and legend. <laughs> Yeah, this is a, it's a two, well, with, I don't know if I'm also a Titan, but it might be a triple Titan show. I know, it might be too much for listeners. I think I it probably, should we, ready. should we issue a Titan warning? There probably should, yeah, I'll add a little, uh, little, uh, warning on the top of this episode, yeah. Perfect. This. Yeah, like, make, you know what they should do is make sure that they haven't been listening to other Titans leading up to it, because yeah. if their Titan quota is full... There's going to just be endless buffering. Absolutely. So, Tony, remember that um, recently we had Mary Lynn Rice Cub on the show Mm -hmm. and she was delightful. And I felt like I feel like she and I are going to become real life friends. And you Uh also were like, she was so nice. Yeah. Um, So I walked away feeling that. And then I was like, wait a minute. She's a professional actor. That's (laughs) what they do. I actually had a similar thought. (laughs) <laughs> they professionalize their charm, especially ones like her who appear in everything. Like, she's super talented, but you have to figure also when she goes in the room, everyone's like, oh, my God, she's amazing. I want to work with her. Like, that's mm-hmm. her stock in trade is making people feel like they want to be her friend. So I was like, I'm not going to get I'm not going to I'm just going to hold my horses. I'm not going to get hoodwinked and suckered into thinking we had a real connection when she's someone who could probably make everyone feel that way that way right mm-hmm. guess who i got a text from the other day oh uh, did you just come back from a sleepover at her place <laughs> yeah it, uh th- we have not had our sleepover yet but she texted me to see if i wanted to go on a walk or to get coffee sometime Ooh, look at you yes and i wrote back pretty much immediately which i hope is not too uncool <laughs> and i said oh my god yes i would love to and then she wrote back and then i wrote back there were emojis i mean a plan is in the works i feel like maybe i shouldn't even talk about it until we've actually hung out because yeah. i might she might get wind of it and be like oh that's not what i signed up for but you know what you're friends with me. You're friends with my podcast listeners. That's how it works. So all yeah. of us are going to become real life friends with Marilyn Rice Cup. I, I could not be more excited, Tony. Do you know how long it's been since I've made a real life friend? 
<laughs> I, I mean, no, I, I can't say I know. I mean, it feels but, like years probably. But as a fellow adult, I understand. <laughs> yeah. 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 I and mean, especially in these times, like we've all been home for, it's already hard to make new friends. And now we've all been sitting alone. Well, you know, or with your family right. in your case, but like, that's it. So I think the attempting to make new friends is going to be even harder than ever. I mean, her approach, it was, she made it look effortless. You meet someone you like. And then you invite them to coffee or, or to go on a walk. I never do that because yeah. it, I don't know, because I get all up in my head about it. Okay. So that's that. Very excited about my potential new friend. And then this, the next thing I have to share with you is um, it is a little bit, it's a little bit sad. It's sad is not the right word. Um, uh, look, I'm disappointed in the direction this has gone, Tony. But you know how I pride myself on um, not having hired an exterminator, despite the fact that maybe I should have for the situation <laughs> in the studio? Uh, yes, this sounds extremely familiar. <laughs> I consider myself, I'm like a journeyman exterminator, which is disgusting. And I don't consider myself that. But I just uh, feel like I can handle these problems myself. Unless it involves furry rodent friends, in which case I can't. Um I recently, uh, I, I folded and I called an exterminator. Not what, uh, for the sit- Go ahead. Oh, no, I was just going to say, what's, what's the problem now? <clears throat> Millipedes in the bathroom. Ooh. Yeah. And I know that I've shared the various creepy crawlies that are in our bathroom and, and, or the studio. And I imagine people now think that I live in just like, you know, on in Peanuts, the, all the like wavy lines around Pigpen. Mm-hmm. This is an old reference, but I feel like people think I probably live in squalor, um, and I don't. <laughs> it is very non-squalorous. It is a new house. It's, it's nice the walls house. are painted white. It's contemporary. You would there's th- piles of millipedes everywhere. <laughs> Aside from the millipedes, <laughs> it is spick and span, and the piles of shit because I'm a messy person. But I mean, no, I'm not a dirty person. I don't know what is happening. I just. Of all the things to find in the bathroom, millipedes are actually not as gross as some things. They're, you know, they look like little caterpillars. They've got little antenna. <clears throat> Arguably, they're, they're very slow. But I also don't want them in there. Yeah. So we have a listener, Demian, who is an exterminator, and I've been talking with him about it. Um, he's at the level where uh, of my Patreon where he can text me and I text him back. And I'm sure when he signed up for this, he didn't think, oh, good. Now I can answer her exterminating questions, but so be it. <laughs> but um, anyway, he recommended buying something on Amazon and sprinkling it in the crawl space. And Daniel and I both uh, felt that was a bridge too far for us personally. So I called an exterminator and I told her that I needed, you know, someone to come out because we have millipedes in the bathroom. And what I wanted her to say was, oh, yeah, that's very common in Burbank right now. Do you know what she actually said? That she, I, I don't know. I'll just let you say it because I don't want to blow you. No, now I want to he- hear, hear what you think she might have said. Uh, I was going to just say, she said that she's never heard of this happening. Yeah, she went, oh, wow, that's a new one. <laughs> so um, I will keep everyone posted. Anyway, I mean, these things happen sometimes, you know, it's unpredictable. It actually feels predictable at this point. My, well, the ba- the I don't part. understand what's happening. The ba- there, there must be something. I don't know if the bathroom is on wet ground or I don't know what, but first slugs, now millipedes. 
I think we should yeah. move. Okay, <laughs> enough of all this. Very excited to welcome my guest. As I said, a radio legend. He's been admitted to the Radio Hall of Fame. He co-hosted Kevin and Bean on K-Rock for 30 years. And now he hosts A Cup of Tea and a Chat with Allie McKay, which is uh, three times a week. It's really good. We're going to get into that. Um, it's available on Patreon. And then also there's like a... A best of episode that goes up, uh, goes wide for wide release. It is Gene Bean Baxter. Welcome to the show. Am I allowed to applaud myself? Yes, you are. (laughs) Hi, guys. Hi. Great to to be here. How are you? Thank you so much for coming on the show. I was listening to a cup of tea in a chat and I heard Mm. you mention me and my show. So thank you very much. Well, thank you. This is the thing about the podcasts, podcasters who interview podcasters about podcasts. We all end up eating our own tails. It's kind of crazy. Uh, may I jump in? I, I was just I was bursting at the seams to join the conversation you were having with Tony. Hi, Tony, by the way. Hello. Uh, two things I wanted to say, Allison, Please. about uh, your introductory remarks. Number one, I'm so impressed with the Mary Lynn Rice Cup news because it's, it's exciting, the dream right? of, of everyone who does what you and I do. In our minds, when we have an interview that goes well, we are convinced that we're real friends. Yes. And we put it out of our minds that it's a completely transactional arrangement. We're doing it because it's our job. Mm-hmm. They're doing it because generally they have something to promote or they're trying to raise their profile or whatever the reason is, okay? Nobody's there to make friends. There's nobody who ever agrees to do an interview because they think they're going to make friends, right? Right. So the fact that that worked out so well for you, and I don't have, because she's a lovely lady, I don't have any doubt that you guys are going to go on that walk and you are going to have that coffee and you are going to be friends. I'm just so impressed because I can't tell you how many times like I've wanted to do that. Allie was really good at that. Mm -hmm. I don't know why. Maybe she's disarming. She's friendlier than I am. But she, uh, there there were multiple people that she met through working on the Kevin and Bean show and they ended up becoming real life friends that are still friends to this day. But I would have somebody in that I, Felt like I really vibed with like Jonah Ray is a perfect example oh, of a yeah. guy who's just like everything about Jonah Ray I love, right? Mm-hmm. And, and I'm into so many of the same sort. And I thought, man, Jonah Ray and I should be friends. But in a million years, I would never say, hey, here, take my phone number. Hey, here's my email. Get in touch. You know, I just – I wouldn't even know how to begin to and, – and really what you guys said is – I mean, it's just adults trying to make friends. It's hard anyway. It's already awkward where none of us are good at it. Right. But in that situation, you also get a little bit of a feeling like, is this inappropriate that I'm even crossing a line? Right. Like, is there a boundary there that I should respect? The funny thing is, so Tony is real life friends with Jonah Ray. Jonah, I mean, Tony, don't you think that Jonah would jump at the chance to be real life friends with, should I call you Bean or Gene? Bean is, it's a childhood nickname that I've never been able to shed. So that's what most people call me and I'm fine with it. Okay. Tony, don't you think Jonah would jump at the chance to be friends with Bean? Yeah, absolutely. And Jonah's like the sweetest, nicest dude The coolest. Ever. Yeah. So Jonah and I are friendly with each other on social media. We'll comment on one another's post. I mean, he knows who I am and I've interviewed him a bunch of times over the years. But I, in a million years, would never know how to take that next step to be like, well, these days we don't see anybody in person anyway. But even just to be a text friend, even just to be to to just jump on and say hi, you know what I mean? So I'm really impressed that you were able to do that. Thank you. Congratulations on a new friend. I I don't remember the last time I made a new friend. It, um, when I got a dog, I remember thinking, 
this is going to be a source of new friends somehow, like at the dog park or something. That did not happen. And then when I had my first kid, I don't think I thought this is going to be a source of new friends, but I knew that probably this is going to put me in a, in a community of people who have children the same age. And that has actually worked. So it's. Well, because you've got something in common now with a bunch of people that you didn't before. Yes. So I recommend having a child if you're looking to make friends. All right. I mean, it's a lot of work. But you will make a friend or two. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, but all all credit goes to Mary Lynn. She's the one who did this. And, and yeah. by the way, I feel like we're jumping, we're we're putting the car before the horse. The friendship hasn't even happened yet, but I feel like it's going to. I feel you guys are very close. I, you're practically sisters, as far as I can tell. <laughs> That's so far, we're roommates. Already. Okay, thing two, and this this hurt me. I got to be honest. I'm coming on a little bit bruised because oh, no. I heard your I heard your millipedes discussion okay. and. I had millipedes as pets for a number of years. Oh, I wow. love millip- I love millipedes. They're so cute, right? Mm-hmm. We had Ahmed and we had Zeke and we had Jane and then Jane died fairly young. So we got another one. So we, in tribute, we named her Jane also. So we actually had two Janes, mm-hmm. but they were so fun and just so interesting to look at and the way they curl up like the cover of the Nine Inch Nails album. They're just so adorable. You know what I mean? That little <laughs> picture. And uh, when I heard that you were called it an exterminator, I thought- why didn't you do what people do with spiders, which is just pick them up and put them outside? Why do you have to kill them? It's a good point. Maybe I've, I've gone too far. Um, I mean, they're not going to – what I'm saying is they're not going to hurt you. They're not going to do any damage. They're not going to bite. They're not going to make a mess. They literally could just be picked up and moved outside and go on with their millipede lives. You're right. You're making me rethink this. I think because just the number of them that I've I, mm. been, I feel judged. But it's a fair judgment. It's fair. Okay. Okay. I always look at things from the perspective of the animal. Yeah. And uh, it's a real passion of mine. And the uh, in this case, I don't think the animal's in the wrong. The animal's just he's just be, he's just melopeding it up. You know, I don't think he's coming for you. Yeah, I know this about you. I know that you love and I love animals too. I mean, I understand that it doesn't seem that way, uh, but I do. And I'm realizing that story was the absolute wrong one to start with on a show with you. And I'm apologies for that. I feel that I have potentially traumatized you in a small way. Um, it's just, it's the number of them, mm. but I it's get what you're saying. It feels a little bit like an infestation. And I, you know yeah. what though? Really what we need to do instead of exterminating them is just find figure out where they're coming from and board that up. Right. Bingo. Now you've nailed it. Who you does lift out the you lift out the ones that are there yeah. and you stop the rest of them from coming in then you're in business. Who do, who does that? What kind of person? Yeah, yeah. See, I don't know that. I don't yeah. know that answer. That's it's not not my problem. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I re- they really are like you could just and, and I also haven't seen them the last couple of days. Maybe they heard me talking about them. Yeah, they probably do subscribe to the podcast. Oh, these are very bright. A lot of they, people don't realize that. Yeah, yeah they're um, very smart. But I want to say something. The fact that you had a Jane and then you lost Jane as a euphemism, really, and then you named another one Jane. That is a very kid thing to do. Because I had ducks. I had ducks when I was a kid. And we had two golden, uh, ducks and chickens. And we had two goldens. I had two cottons. Now, yeah. I cannot imagine, like, if something happened to my dog, getting another dog and giving her this, or him the same name. 
Yeah, I would never do that with a dog either. I think uh, it'd be too much pressure on the dog. I didn't feel like the millipedes would would carry that weight. You know what I mean? I thought that they would just be cool. They're yeah. they're, they're primordial. You know what I mean? Right. They're not. They don't have a lot going on except they listen to your podcast, which is impressive. Okay, some so that's of, thing two. Some now, of my listeners now, are primordial, but I love them. <laughs> now, thing three. I've always wanted to ask Tony this question: Is how many podcasts are you a part of, man? <laughs> I uh, ask him that too, but like in a really aggressive way is how I no, ask it. I, because I'll be listening and obviously I listen to Jimmy Pardo, who's my closest friend in show business. And that is one that made the leap, by the way, Jimmy and I are actual friends, but I listen to him and I hear about Tony and then I listen to something else and I hear about Tony. And then I started listening to Bizarre Albums, which is Tony's podcast, oh, which I you. adore, by the way, which I love that show. Thank and you I just much. keep seeing you in all these credits and everything. And I'm just trying to figure out how you do it. And are you, do you ever leave your apartment? Are you allowed to go outside or is there, as soon as this <laughs> podcast ends, do you have to start working on another one immediately? Uh, to, no, today, this is it for today. Um, but yeah, I have a few that I work behind the scenes on, but it, like some of the ones you meant, like, you know, never not funny. I'm, I'm not a part of that show. Um, mm. you know, they're just, they're you, friends. You produce they or have, edit or you do something, right? Don't you? No, not for them. No. Oh, um, I thought you did. Okay. They just, I just mentioned just you friends. a lot. Then. <laughs> yeah. They're friends and they have me on the show from time to time. And then when they do like the podcastathon every year, I play drums for in the, in the house band there and do drum rolls for them. For well, their- I feel like the secret of success is to have Tony Faxon on your podcast. Like, I feel like I, we should have hired you when Allie and I started our podcast. We'd be, we'd be in business right now. So, well, well. you know, we'll, we'll talk, you know, you okay. my email. Now. <laughs> yes, I do. All right, we're friends. Fantastic. <laughs> yeah, there we go. All right, so that's that's old business, Allison. Thank you for letting me get all of that sure. off my chest. So, what are we talking about tonight? Well, we're talking about you. Well, first of all, we must address mm. the tonight of it all because here oh, right. it is one uh, twenty-four p.m., but it's nine twenty-four mm-hmm. p.m. where you are because now you're in London, right? That's right. And you, yeah, eight hours. Were born in England and that's lived right. there till high school. Is that right? No, oh. on and off. We lived in, my dad was in the Navy. He came, he married what his family considered a war bride. The last thing they wanted him to do was leave the country and then marry, marry a stranger from another land. But he fell in love with this nice young British woman and they had a family and that was my brother and me. And then we lived all over the world. We lived in Spain and we lived in the Philippines and we lived in Hawaii. And in between, there were times where we also lived back in the UK. And then as an adult, I came here all the time, once or twice a year for 20 years, I, I came here before my, my wife and I finally decided to move here. So this is coming home for me. Mm-hmm. It's something that I always had in the back of my mind that I'd like to do one day down the road. And then I just got to the point where I was looking at 60 coming up and I thought, no one knows how much time they have left. If I'm ever going to go and explore Europe, why don't I do it while I'm young enough and healthy enough to do it? Mm-hmm. So we decided to make the move. So we came in December of 2019 the worst possible time to move anywhere because two months later, there's a pandemic and you can't leave your house. So essentially, we've been living in a country that we haven't been able to leave our neighborhood from ever since. So it's very exciting this time right now because it's just now starting to open up. You know, you're so far ahead of us in terms of opening up compared Mm -hmm. to in the UK. We haven't been able to we're, we still can't eat indoors at a restaurant. It's been since Christmas we haven't been able to do it. So this has been a very long, very severe lockdown. But we are coming out of it, and we're so excited that we're going to be able to start exploring soon. So yeah, it was great. It was great to come home. It's you know it's an adjustment anytime you move, and especially when you move to another country. And the time difference is is real weird to get used to because most of the people I know are hours behind me. What time do you and Allie record? 
7.30 a.m. for her, oh, which wow. was her choice, and 3.30 p.m. for me. So it works out pretty well. As a non-morning person, I feel that you have really made out like a bandit in that arrangement. I have. <laughs> I, don't ha- I don't have any problems with getting up early. My, my regular body clock getting up time is around 6.30 in the morning anyway. Mm-hmm. So it would it would have been fine with me. I was just really surprised that Allie didn't say, you know, 10 a.m. would be a little <laughs> bit more reasonable. Right. But, she, you know, she's had so many years of getting up early. Kevin and Bean for five years or something, and then many more years than that, I think around 14 or 15 on the news getting up early. So I think that must be her body clock. She's just used to it. So it works out. And it must be nice for her to kind of be done with the biggest part of her day so early too. Yeah. So you lived in LA for a chunk of time, right? And then you moved up to Seattle where you would do the show from Seattle. Yes. I lived in Los Angeles for nine and a half years. And then in 1999, June of 1999, I moved up to Seattle. You know, it's, uh, I haven't talked about it in a long time, but the short version of that story is, and I mean, no disrespect for the people who live and love Southern California. It just wasn't my vibe. Yeah. It was not, it never felt like home to me. It might've been partly because I moved there from San Francisco. I lived in San Francisco for two years before I moved to LA. And I think, I think that was part of it. But I was, when the technology got to the point where I realized I could do the show remotely, and of course, now we all do everything remotely, <laughs> right. but it was, pre- it was pretty new back yes. then. Not very many people were doing their shows. I mean, you remember, you probably heard stories about DJs who would work in two cities and they literally would fly mm-hmm. from city to city to work because there wasn't any way to do it, right? So yeah, so we chose Seattle for a lot of reasons that I ended up being up there for 16 years doing the show for my house in Seattle. And then the last four years before we uh, before I left K-Rock, we lived in New Orleans, Louisiana. Oh, I didn't realize which was, that. Which is my maybe my favorite, certainly my favorite city in America, maybe my favorite city in the world. I just adored it. I loved it so much. I miss it so much. So I had, of the 30 years I was on the Kevin and Bean show, over 20 of them were remote. Mm-hmm. And there would be months at a time, many months at a time where I wouldn't see anybody in person. I'd have no reason to go to LA. I would go for special events. But in general, I was able to live where I wanted to live. So I was very blessed, very, very lucky. And it was great that it, it was able to work out for us. So what did not agree with you about Southern California? And I say this as someone who, um, like we bought a house, you know, our insect filled home. Um, and I have kids and I have roots and we're going to stay here, I guess. But I, too, would love to go somewhere colder. And it, it's not my favorite place either. Right. You know, my reason may not resonate with a lot of people and it may even be unfair. I wasn't crazy about show business. I don't think that's and unfair. The job that I had required me to be around a lot of people who were in show business or wanted to be and hear about show business a lot. And they just weren't my favorite people. <laughs> I got to tell you, it was so – and again, I sound, I feel like I sound like an asshole saying any of this. And I'm not at all trying to diss LA because there's a there's millions of people there who aren't in show business and don't care about it and don't have anything to do with it. And they're wonderful people with regular jobs and regular lives, right? But when I moved up to Seattle and I was a completely anonymous because nobody knew or cared that I had a radio show, nobody could hear it. Nobody cared. Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden my friends had lots of different jobs. You know, they were doctors and they were landscapers and they were dog walkers. They were whatever they're, you know, whatever they were. And I never had to talk about show business again. And it just felt good. Just that was really, that was kind of the main thing was, uh, was just getting away from the, the Hollywood bubble. Right. And was everyone at their station cool with you doing it remotely? You know, it was really, 
it was Kevin and our program director, Kevin Weatherly, who was there for most of the time that we did the show. And they were willing to give it a try because I was at the point where I really wanted to move away from Los Angeles. And I was willing, Allison, to leave the job. Even mm-hmm. though we'd been doing it for almost 10 years, I said, look, I've decided I'm going to move. If it's cool with you, I'd like to try to do it remotely. But if you don't think for whatever reason, it would have been very legitimate for them to say no, because they might want somebody in the market who can go out to personal appearances, do sales things. I I would understand that it would be completely fair. I said, if if you don't want me to do it, I'll just leave and find work somewhere else. But let's give it a try. So to their credit, they decided to let me try. And it ended up working great. So did you, this is a, this is now tech talk, but I'm just curious. Did you have, (laughs) did you have like an ISDN line and then a video feed? That's right. Okay. So very similar to how we do it now. Yeah. Yeah. This was for folks who don't know, an ISDN line is really just a fancy, good sounding telephone line is all it is. And it's actual hardware that's installed by the phone company. And they're very rare. I mean, it almost doesn't exist anymore. You couldn't get service on one today if you wanted to. The internet has replaced that. Uh, And we had video. We ended up not using the video very much. I mean, we didn't have it the way you and I are looking at each other kind of close up. Mm -hmm. We didn't ever have anything like that. We just had a camera like in the corner at the K-Rock studio so that I could see who was in the room essentially. Because you don't want to be, you know, mouthing off about somebody and have them walk in and you don't know it. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> so that was it. We didn't find that the video was really that helpful. Mm-hmm. And we had the the real benefit of having done a show together for almost 10 years before I left. So the rhythm was easy. We didn't really need to see each other to be able to do it. Mm-hmm. And then you left K-Rock. When did you left like just a few months before the whole thing got shuttered, right? Yes, that's right. I left in November of 2019. In my last day uh, after the show, we all flew to New York. And then the next day we got inducted into the Radio Hall of Fame. And then I left the next day after that to go to New Orleans to move out of that house Mm -hmm. so that we could leave for England, which we did two weeks later. So that was a real busy week, (laughs) a couple of weeks right there to get everything going. But yeah, so I left in November of 2019. And I left the show with the best people on the show, with Kevin and with Allie and with Jensen. And I thought they're primed. It's a great show. They're going to be on forever. Why wouldn't they be? You know, the audience has grown up with these people. And I was shocked mm. the way it went down. And I really do think, I mean, look, we know that show business can be cruel, but I've never seen anything like it. Even in all my years of my own radio career and following others in radio career, I've never seen a company treat a show worse than they treated that, particularly Kevin, uh, Hall of Famer himself. For 30 years, he gave that station and they fired him over the phone in a pandemic with no notice. I mean, it was just shocking to me. If you're going to look, if you make the decision, well, we, we want to mix things up. We don't think this is the show for us. We want to do something else. There are a lot of different ways you can do it than that. Mm-hmm. You can go on and say, hey, take a bow, a farewell tour, work out the summer, and then come September, we'll bring somebody else in. And Kevin would have been happy to do that. That would have been the respectful thing to do to him and Allie and Jensen and the other people who worked on the show. But more importantly, it would have treated the audience with some respect. Right. And that's what really – because. As it turned out with the pandemic beginning, Allison, what people needed was comfort and what they needed was familiar voices and they needed something they could listen to that would make them feel better. And K-Rock, it was almost like they just said, screw the listeners. We don't care what they need or want. For whatever reason, we're pulling the rug out Mm -hmm. now and you're on your own. 
terrible thing to do to the audience that had been so loyal that made that radio station and a terrible thing to do to poor Stryker and Klein, who ended up replacing that morning show, who now come in looking like the bad guys through no fault of their own. They had so much hate thrown at them because of the situation that they were put in. The whole thing was just so poorly ended. And I'm glad, you know, Allie ended up doing something that she wants to do. Jensen's got lots of jobs. He always has. He's producing television shows and everything like that. Kevin's got his own podcast that's doing well. And he's doing afternoons on KLOS with Sluggo, formerly of K-Rock as well. So everybody kind of landed on their feet. So I'm happy about that. But man, what a black mark on the station. It really was, it was shoddy. Why do you think they did it that way? I mean, I don't know. I've never spoken with anybody about it. The only thing I can guess is radio stations are losing money. Mm-hmm. A lot of them are. And I think the pandemic was starting to make itself known. And they realized that 2020 was going to be the worst year for the business ever. And they were just looking for numbers. They were trying to figure out a way to save money anywhere. How many people can we fire and still keep the station on the air? I do think it ended up just being a bottom line thing. They were just trying to minimize their damage. Got it. You don't miss radio, do you, Allison? <laughs> <laughs> well, I've seen people, I've seen Allie say on Instagram, like when people are like, what happened? And she's like, we were well paid. The, the mm-hmm. insinuation being, you know, like, like you're saying that they just, the, they couldn't afford or they just made, they made the decision that it wasn't a priority to pay those sizable salaries anymore. I think that's accurate. Yeah. I do. I think they looked at it as a way to save a bunch of money. Mm-hmm. Sure. Which I understand if you're a business person, you got to make a decision. But again, there has to be some humanity to, to for people who have invested so many years in the station. There should have been a, a better way to handle it. So for you, was that what was the decision like and how did you make the decision to to leave a show that you had been part of for 30 years? Well, I mean, it's what I said before. It's just, uh, you know, starting to think about how many years I have left. I am uh unfortunately obsessed with fear of dying young. Mm. And there's no reason to suspect I will. I have been blessed with incredibly good health. I've barely been sick a day in my life. But I read the obituaries and I see guys dropping dead at 63, 68, 72. And I'm like, oh my God, let's say I'm 72. That means I've got 12 years left or 11 years, I guess it is now. Do do I want to spend 11 years continuing to do this show and not go to Brussels and, and, and not go to Budapest and not go to Lisbon and all these places that I'm dying mm-hmm. to go to. So that was really what it is. 30 years seemed like a good round number. And I also saw that I was going to be 60 and I thought now's the time to do it while we can. Mm-hmm. So that's why I decided it was not, it wasn't a uh, super easy decision, but once I made it, Allison, I never regretted it. I never looked back. And, uh, and I, I do think it was the right move. How long, um, from the time that you made the decision to the time that you left, how long was that? It was over a year. Oh, wow. So every, everybody had time. Yeah. Cause I didn't want to leave them in a the lurch either. Right. I said, look, I've decided I'm going to leave at the end of next year is what I said. I didn't have an exact date. Mm-hmm. It ended up being in November, but I said, I'm going to leave at the end of next year. So I'm just letting everybody know so we can all, you know, you can plan accordingly. So that was it. Um, So I want to dig into this fear you have of dying young, because I think that a lot of people, a lot of my listeners will relate to that. Um, But first, some will say that I'm way too old to worry about dying young (laughs) because I I already can't. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I remember when the window window closed for me on like being a a whippersnapper or like a young one, Uh you know, (laughs) 
It's hard. Um, okay, but first I want to tell you guys about figs. Figs make awesome scrubs so healthcare professionals can look, feel, and perform their best. Um, I uh, visited my sister when she was in labor and there were some nurses in the room and their scrubs were super stylish and they fit really well. And I thought to myself, I bet those are figs, but I did not express that thought because they seemed busy doing important medical things. But I still wonder if anyone listening helped my sister deliver her baby. I want to know, were you wearing fig scrubs because they looked good? They had a number of pockets. They fit better than you expect scrubs to fit. In honor of the historic year nurses have had fighting COVID-19, Figs is celebrating Nurses Week all week long from May 6th to May 12th with 20% off site-wide. Just use the code BESTFRIEND15 at checkout. So here's the thing. Figs, obviously, they make ridiculously soft, great scrubs, but they also make other things like whether you're, uh, I mean, it's, it's geared for medical professionals. However, Daniel has a hoodie that's super warm, super comfortable, lots of pockets. I almost bought a lab coat until I had to admit to myself, I don't need a lab coat. They do have other stuff besides scrubs. So check it out. Um, Figs has a proprietary Fion X fabric, which has four-way stretch, moisture-wicking, anti-wrinkle, and silvader microbial technology that inhibits odor-producing microbes and increases durability. Um, celebrate Nurses Week all week long from May 6th to May 12th with 20% off site-wide. Just use the code BESTFRIEND15 at checkout. Head to wearfigs, W-E-A-R-F-I-G-S dot com and enter my code BESTFRIEND15 at checkout for 20% off. That's Again, that's wearfigs, W-E-A-R-F-I-G-S dot com and enter code BESTFRIEND15 at checkout. I also want to talk to you guys about Brooklinen. Brooklinen, one of my favorite companies, I sleep exclusively in Brooklinen sheets, and now I have a Brooklinen comforter, a Brooklinen duvet cover. I was a little late to switch to the duvet cover because I liked my old duvet cover, but now that I have my Brooklinen duvet cover on the bed, so I've got blue and white striped sheets, and then I've got a blue and white, it's a white background with blue polka dots on it. I'm mixing and matching, you guys. Um, Yeah, now that I have that one on, it's so much better than my previous comforter cover. And if my previous comforter cover is listening, good. You weren't that great. I thought you were. You weren't. Um, and also I have Brooklyn and towels. Tony also has Brooklyn and towels. We have different plushnesses of our towels. Tony has the thinner ones that dry faster. I have the thicker ones that make me feel like I'm living in a spa. Brooklyn has so much comfortable stuff. You need it. It is like, look, the stuff is luxurious, but it's at an, a, a lower price point than luxurious makes it sound. No, it's just luxurious. I just, I have nothing negative to say. <laughs> if you don't have your entire life outfitted in Brooklinen, do it. So give yourself the comfort refresh you deserve and get it for less at Brooklinen. Go to brooklinen.com and use promo code BFF to get $20 off with a minimum purchase of $100. That's Brooklinen, B-R-O-O-K-L-I-N-E-N.com and enter promo code BFF for $20 off with a minimum purchase of $100. That's brooklinen.com, promo code BFF. Okay, we're back. Um, so Bean, you said that you, th- this fear of dying, where do you think that comes from? Don't know. My whole life, 
I've been committed, and I believe the power of positive thinking has helped me be as healthy as I am. I've been committed to living to be 100, Allison. It's kind of like my thing is I'm the guy who's going to live to be Mm -hmm. 100. And I used to say on the radio show all the time, I used to say, I'm going to be the coolest 100-year-old. And they're like, you're not you're not the coolest 40-year-old. What makes you think you're going to be the coolest 100-year-old? Like, well past that, right? Yeah, but at that but point, re- sorry to cut you off, but I just had to point out, because I'm on your side. Uh, at that point, the competition yeah. is much Thank you. slimmer. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. Because most 100-year-olds, I feel like are- Not cool. You know, they've, they've, they've lost a step, yes. maybe. I just love the olds. I love the olds and I'm so excited about being an old. I really am excited about it. I have so much respect for the elderly and I want to be one. I want to be the elderly. But then I start thinking, who doesn't, right? Yeah. You know, these people that, uh, that seem fine and then two weeks later, they're dead and they didn't know it was coming. Mm-hmm. You know, I'll give you a perfect example. And this one hit, hit me hard. Les McEwen, the lead singer of the Bay City Rollers, died a couple of weeks ago. He was 65 years old. You know what he was doing the day before he died, Allison? Telling someone he wanted to live to be 100? Maybe, but he was also doing interviews to promote the Bay City Rollers' big summer tour right. that they were he planning didn't. through the UK. This was this was a guy who was in health, good health and had no clue that it was coming. Right. And it just out of nowhere. And that is a sobering and scary thought. Yeah. And I don't know where it comes from, and it's not a passing fancy for me, and I really – and I know you get real on this show, so I don't mind telling you, I really do think it's something that I'm going to have to work out with somebody. I, I think I'm going to have to go talk to somebody about how to push that mm-hmm. fear down because I do worry that there can come a point where you can't enjoy the life that you have because you're so afraid of dying. Yeah. And I don't want to be that guy. Yeah. I don't, And I also don't want to be that guy who somehow ends up being paranoid and afraid to leave the house and afraid to cross the street and afraid to get on a plane and afraid to take a medicine. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I just, I think, I think this could spiral very badly for me. Right. So I'm, I'm aware of that and trying to keep it in check. Do you ever think about how, how many years you have left? A little bit. My thing is less, I worry less about my own mortality than I do about losing the people around me. Um, and I think it's really the same, it's the same fear. It's just what you attach it to. So mm-hmm. as I get older and it's my birthday's coming up and I always start to think, take inventory in that way around my birthday. Um, yeah, periodically I will think, do I have more years ahead of me than behind me? I, I hope I do, but I'm definitely closing the gap. I'm getting closer. Um, and then, and then that leads to thoughts about like, well, maybe these dreams I had as a, a young person for what I would, the, the high, you know, the success I would one day have or the heights I would reach. Is that still what I want? And can I accept it if that doesn't really happen? So I guess I'm even having some kind of midlifey like thoughts. Yeah. Um, it's tough. Yeah. And they do always say, and you read this all the time is, you know, nurses will tell you this and they're, they look great in those fig scrubs, but I don't know if you've noticed or not. They're yeah. so, Stylish. They're so complimentary to their figures while they're working, but they still look like they're on a runway. I know. It's astonishing. Are they? Is, are we? Are we watching Grey's Anatomy, or is this a real life uh, hospital room? <laughs> right. But nurses will tell you that have held the hands of the dying that they never say, "I wish I'd accomplished more." I wish I I'd had a bigger business. They always say, "I wish I hadn't wasted so much time." I wish I would have told people I love them. I wish I would have spent time doing more what I wanted to do. And it's hard to put those things in your head because. 
you know, we're all thinking short term, Mm -hmm. not long term. We're all thinking, what do I need to do or what do I think I need to do today? And they're not thinking about what's really, when I look back 10 years from now, what am I going to be glad I spent my time doing? And I'm trying to push my fear more into that direction to have more quality time instead for whatever time I have left. That's the direction I'm trying to go. Have you, oh, did you have anxiety as a kid? Yeah, I, um, I ha- I'm a little Asperger, mm-hmm. and uh, that has something to do with it, I think. And it it does. It makes me a nervous guy, and it makes me an an anxious person. I f- I was you know one of the f- I think it I think it contributed to the decision my wife and I made about leaving K Rock and moving. Is I did have. S- I did have some real anxiety for a minute right before that at K-Rock and actually took some time off. I don't remember how much time it was, but I think it was about three weeks or mm-hmm. so where I just felt like I was on a treadmill that was going way too fast and I felt like I was panicking mm-hmm. and I felt like I was going under and I needed to, to, to a circuit breaker yeah. is what I needed to do. And coming out of that, I think is when I started thinking these bigger questions that you and I are talking about is how do I want to spend my time and and not have that happen again. Because it's really easy, particularly when you're career-minded. And I was, and I put so much time. You know what it's like to work on a morning radio show in Los Angeles and how much time you spend and how hard it is and how you're never, ever done with your job. I, I was working way, way too many hours. And I realized that wasn't healthy and it wasn't sustainable. Mm-hmm. So – yeah, that uh, I, I mean, I, I'm glad that I had that wake up call that way rather than actually having some sort of a nervous breakdown or quitting and, and you know, curling up and dying. So I'm in a better place now. Was there something and if talking about it is uh, making you uncomfortable, we can we can move on. But um, was there something that like a specific moment or thing that that triggered those panicky feelings when that happened? I don't know. I mean, I think it was the pressure. I think a lot of it was the pressure of doing a quality show for four and a half hours every single day. It was a lot of pressure. It's a, like I said before, it's a treadmill and you're never done. And even if you have the best show of your life, you got another one to do tomorrow and it's just a blank slate that's waiting to be filled up. And I got so much anxiety that I, I literally would vomit before the show. Oh my gosh. Because I was, you know, eight minutes out from the show starting and I was like, oh my God, I, I have to do this again and it has to be good. And I, I was just putting way too much pressure on myself, I think. And that only developed and, many years into it? That's so yeah, interesting. That was about, yeah, it was about a year and a half ago or something like that. So who knows why that right. boiled, you know, boiled up or bubbled up, whatever it does up uh, at that time. But yeah, I, I mean, I think it, it probably just comes with getting getting older and starting to reevaluate things. And hey, what am I doing? What am I doing with my Did life? Did it happen around your 60th birthday? Um, Like leading up to it? I mean, I... I'm not, I'm not doing the math exactly right, but yeah, in certainly in that ballpark. Mm. Yeah, for sure. And who knows? Maybe, you know, maybe that was some sort of a, some sort of a milestone. Yeah. Isn't it funny, by the way, when you're a whippersnapper, (laughs) you think 60 year olds are one foot in the grave, man. Like, can you imagine being 60? That's my grandfather. What are you kidding me? (laughs) And then you get to be 60 and you go, I feel exactly the same as I did when I was 30. It's weird. It's, it's not at all what you think it's Mm. going to be. And look, you're wearing like a cool tie dye shirt with kittens. And candles on it. Not just kittens. Do you recognize this cat? Oh, wait. That's a that's a famous meme cat, right? This is Meredith, one of Taylor Swift's cats. Oh. 
Yeah, this is a Meredith T-shirt. I didn't know. I'm not familiar with yeah. Taylor Swift's cats like you are. <gasps> what? <laughs> you don't know about Meredith and Olivia and Benjamin Button, her three cats? No. Come on, Allison. No. Are you not a Are you not a Swiftie? I'm not. And get <sighs> get this, Bean and Tony and listeners. I was watching. I finally saw that movie, a movie that everyone recommended. I did not enjoy it. It's called The Favorite. Have you seen it? Every- I not only have seen it, I I heard you and Daniel tearing oh. it down incorrectly. So <laughs> okay, yes, good. I know what you're saying. Okay, here. we'll get into that. But anyway, um, <laughs> the guy who plays Masham, I was like, who is that actor? And I looked him up, mm-hmm. and he he's Taylor Swift's boyfriend. I Joe that's Alwyn, right? How much I didn't even know. Um, yeah. Well, he's know. also kind of he also kind of blends. He's been in a lot of movies that you've seen, but he's never memorable. I think he couldn't be more boring, but maybe that's what she likes. But maybe. it's not exactly like he's a big star who stands out and you should have known who he was. He just kind of he's a nameless, faceless other British actor, as far as right. I'm but if I w- was a Swifty like you yeah. with the cats and yeah. the shirt and stuff, then I would for sure be clocking right away. Like, oh, that's Taylor Swift's right. main squeeze. <laughs> I um she's my favorite. Really? I'm I'm not going to lie. She's abs- and look, I know it sounds dumb because check me out, I'm not a 22-year-old girl, but I think she's a great songwriter and I think her career has been among the most fascinating in the business. You're a music fan, right? Yeah, I used to play in a band. Yeah. Okay, Tony, obviously, you're a music you're the biggest music fan. Your thoughts on Miss Swift? To be honest, I've never uh dove in too too far um i mm-hmm. feel like i mostly know you just thought it wasn't for you probably yeah i feel like it's not for me although i will admit and i know it's the one everybody loves but i do think shake it off is a fun great song but i mean when folklore came out and got the five-star reviews across the the you know the world and ended up winning the album of the year at the grammys i would think as a music fan you'd go Album of the Year, the Grammys, Folklore, what's this all about? You know, this can't just be teeny bopper pop. There has to be more going on. And in fact, she's a really, really good, deep, introspective, Joni Mitchell-like songwriter. And I'm not saying she's as good as Joni Mitchell, but she's certainly more in that vein than I think most people realize. Yeah, I'm just, I'm admittedly very bad at keeping up with newer music. Gotcha. So just to take stock, I just Uh want to bring to the fore what we've learned so far in this podcast (laughs) i am a monster for attempting to exterminate millipedes who are just minding their own and tony you've shirked your duty as a music fan by not checking out folklore (laughs) thank you those are accurate assessments of where we're at yes okay so let's go let's talk about the favorite tony have you seen it Okay, so Bean, what did you think? I know that Daniel and I are alone in not loving it. Look, I wish I uh, had more bullet points for you because I haven't seen it since it came out. I saw it as a new movie. And the reason I saw it is because I'm a little bit of a royalist, as you are now. We, yes. And I'm interested in, I'm interested in any, any stories that have to do with the royal family. Oh, by the way, do you know about my tattoo, Allison? No. Do you have, like, okay, Claire Foy f- from The Crown tattooed on you? Oh. <laughs> I, this is this is a tease. I want you to wait okay. because after we talk about the favorite, I'll unveil it oh, for great. you. Um, I watched it for Olivia Coleman because she's the greatest yes. actress in the world today. Love her. I adore her. I fell so in love with her as an actress on Broadchurch and just watched everything from her. And I just had to see her play this crazy Queen mm-hmm. Anne, right? 
And I thought it was a very compelling story. I mean, you know, it was really, it's a story that's been told a million times about a, a young person who comes in and is trying to acquire power right. within the system and the machinations of that and seeing the, the mind games that they play with one another and the way they try to climb the ladder in this firm, which is the royal family. I don't know. I just thought it was really, really well done. I was surprised how much you guys not only didn't like it, but hated it. I don't know why. I, I mean, maybe it's because we watched it back to back with The Crown. And I think we, we watch because we are now into The Crown and strangely, or maybe not strangely, we're becoming royalists too. I mean, as I mentioned on the, mm. the episode that you heard, we, uh, we watched some documentaries about the, you know, m- Margaret and Elizabeth. We watched something. We watched some Diana stuff. And this started by watching the Harry and Meghan Oprah interview. And so then it's a, anyway, we've gone on a journey. Um, yeah, I don't know. I just, uh, we both found it not that compelling and kind of unlikable. And I love Olivia Coleman. I loved Fleabag and everything. Have else. you seen the, have you seen the queen with, uh, Helen Mirren? No, but that is what the crown is based on, right? I mean that. No, but it's it's the same guy. That's what I mean. Yeah, Peter Morgan is the guy behind the crown. Was also behind that movie. That's your next. Okay. That's your next date night. I'll do oh it. my gosh, uh, uh, Helen Mirren won the Academy Award for that for playing Queen Elizabeth in that. So, I'm a regular oh, my Tony goodness, you, in that I haven't checked it out. <laughs> How dare you? are gonna you're gonna love okay. the Queen. I'll watch it. It's so. I'll do it. It's so good. All right. Let's see the tattoo. Tattoo. YouTube.com okay. slash Allison Rosen. You too can see the tattoo. Yes. So here's the deal. My beloved uh, late father, who passed away about three years ago or so now, was uh, was 80, way too young. He, One thing he asked me was to never get a tattoo. <laughs> Whatever you do, son, don't – and a lot of parents have given yeah. that advice, right? You're too young. You're going to pick something dumb. You're going to regret it. You don't understand it's forever. Please don't do it. Do not get a tattoo. And I really wasn't burning with desire to get a tattoo, but after he passed, I thought – I don't have anyone to tell me I can't get a tattoo anymore. Now's the time. <laughs> so I started thinking about it. As anyone who has a tattoo, you give it some thought. All right. What am I confident is going to be safe? Mm-hmm. You know, because look, you get a Bill Cosby tattoo, you know, you're in trouble. All right. There's a lot of ways <laughs> yeah. that you can make a huge, huge yeah. mistake with the tattoo. So what's the, what's the, 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 uh, the star in the heaven that I have always adored that I will always love and that I will never regret. And that is her majesty, Queen Elizabeth II, who has been queen. Look, I'm 61 years old. I was she was queen for a long time before I was born. Okay. This woman has been here. Yeah. She's done it. Right. I love the queen. I adore her, right? So that's the tattoo that I got. So we did this whole thing on the radio, right? I started talking about how I was thinking about it. And of course, nobody on the show believed that I would really get <laughs> get one because at my age, who goes out and get yeah. his first tattoo, right? That's the thing you do as a young person. So we ended up having people call in with, uh, you know, hey, here's my tattoo artist. And then Nikki Hurtado called, who's one of the best in the business. I mean, you know, uh, people wait a year to get Nikki Hurtado to do a tattoo. He's done The Rock and he's done The Game and he's done all sorts of people whose names are the something. <laughs> so he calls up and I'm like, oh my God, are you kidding me? So we arranged the whole thing and we went in. I came down to Los Angeles ahead of April Foolishness that year, the comedy show we used to do for mm-hmm. charity every year, right? And I went in and I got the tattoo and Nikki Hurtado did it. It was one sitting because he was leaving for Australia the next day for a tattoo convention. Five and a half hours. Oh, wow. But it was worth it. Okay. And it hurt, but it was worth it. All right. Let's see if I can get a let's see if you can. Oh see. wow. Wow. That's really good. It's like a see portrait it? on your arm. That's so good. 
Yeah. Porched on your this arm. Was taken, this was taken from the, uh, from the queen's first photo shoot after she became queen. So she's 25 years old in this picture. And I wish you could see it in person because the hair and the crown and the shadows and everything yeah. is just, I mean, Nick, he does such beautiful work. And I'm really, really happy about it. I, I love it. And, uh, you know, she's 95 years old now and a widow. And we all know what happens to older people when they lose their partners after after that long. They were together for 80 years. You yeah. Know? 80 years they Crazy. were together. So I'm real, real nervous mm-hmm. about uh, about Her Majesty. But I but I love her and, I, and I'll never regret having this on my heart. If I pulled a bean and when when my dad dies did the thing that he told me never to do i would be like on a motorcycle the next day <laughs> yes i think and i also i've never gotten a tattoo although I, it was never explicit but like i just know how they feel about tattoos it's weird mm-hmm. and it's actually nice to hear you say this because it's weird to be a full-fledged adult and to still be sort of obeying their rules that they haven't mentioned in 25 years right you're you don't get you don't forget your parents yeah. you know you, you never even when they're gone you think about what they would say about what you're doing right you know um that's it i mean most people do most people your age at this point have a t- tattoo or no is it a lot of people no? i think if they want yeah. wanted one they would um, they would have gotten yeah one if you were going to get one what would it be would it be at, your kids yes at this point but that is so basic. I mean, that's like the pumpkin spice latte of tattoos. No offense, people who have that. But at this point, yes, it would be my kids' names, my husband's name. And then I'm like, do I get my dog's name? But then if I do, I got to keep updating that. I mean, I want her to live forever, but you know. Um, sure. My wife and I have had 11 dogs since we've been married. Oh, wow. So I'm not going to start that. Yeah. That would really... I would be like the guy in prison break. My just my whole body would be just <laughs> tattooed if I started doing pets. My kids are <laughs> Owen, Elliot, and Daniel. So oh, mm-hmm. it could be like Ode or Doe, right? Or E O D. You know, end of day. That's something. I like that you just called Daniel one of your kids. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm saying. Um, Hey, I have a Daniel question, yes, by the way. Yes. I, I wanted to ask this. Um, I know how he does the bean reviews. Oh yeah. What's he gonna <laughs> what's he gonna say about this show? As do I have to worry about him coming in coming in hot on reviewing this show because it's a bean review? Oh my god, he should totally because he's been bristling at yeah. doing it's it's really not ideal. Oh, I know. He dropped the ball. He dropped the Daniel's ball. Daniel's cool beans. He was eating a lot of beans. We came up with a segment yeah. Daniel's Cool Beans where he reviews beans, but he refuses to review beans yeah. he and he claims this is how meta he was because the last one i thought was really funny but he's like it wasn't a review of beans it was a review of you of me <laughs> and i'm like maybe that's why i liked it so much so i think he should review this show that's a great idea i do he'll look at it i yeah. do too this this forces him to get back into it he's got to pay he's got to get he's got to do looking it looking to cut corners i think this is great <laughs> okay so how did good. you feel Glad to help about that i'm asked the question that everyone wants to know or at least I do. How did you feel about the Harry and Meghan Oprah interview? Did you, did you watch it? Of course I watched it. <laughs> um, I had, we got into a very heated discussion, Ali and I, on our podcast about that. I, I have mixed feelings about it. Look, 
they're adults who ought to be allowed to live their own life. And if they don't want to be part of the system in Britain and they want to move to another country and live their lives, I'm fine with that. I felt like, and I know a lot of people look at Megan as a victim and she certainly has been treated badly in some cases. I felt like it was not necessary. And a lot of people disagree with this, including Allie. It was not not necessary for her to reflect so poorly on the crown. Mm -hmm. I think your job in that family is to support the queen. And it hurt my heart the things that she said that were, I think, had to have been so hurtful to Harry's grandmother, especially, and I know this wasn't their fault. This is just the way the timing worked out, especially with his grandfather in the hospital yeah. in a very, very, very serious shape. I have uh, I have positives and negatives to say about both sides. I do think she was treated poorly. I do think she was not received well. I do think she got the short shrift from a lot of people, including a lot of people here in England. I do think that. But I also think she did not show well by the way she handled Mm. it. All right. Let's – do you happen to have a Just Me or Everyone? Oh, um, yes. I do have a Just Me or Everyone. I don't know how exciting it is, but I did think of one when I saw your note. Wonderful. Let's do that, Tony. Sometimes I ponder on something I have thought or done. Is it just me or everyone? All right, Bean, what is your just me or everyone? I think this is everyone, but I've never seen anyone else do it. So you tell me, Allison, if it's at least you. I will. When I'm driving in a car... And I get into a tight situation, like I'm going down into a parking garage and it looks like the garage is kind of low. And I'm worried, even though it, even though I know that it won't, I'm worried that the top of the car is going to hit the, hit the garage going in. I scooch down. <laughs> I scooch down in the seat or when I'm driving and I end up getting kind of close to the cars parked on the other side or it's a really narrow road and the cars that are whizzing by me in the opposite direction are closer than I am comfortable with, I'll do this. I'll move <laughs> over, move to the left, move to the right, as if that's going to somehow save me, I, as if that's going to somehow lessen the impact of an automobile crash by moving four inches to one side. I do the the, the latter. I, I don't know if I scooch down going into a parking garage i might but i know that i'm aware of like shifting back to the sideways in my seat yeah i don't do the it makes no sense i don't i don't <laughs> i don't think i i uh crunch down but i lit for just me or everyone like a couple months ago i, I basically did the same thing because i i, I oh, really I'm more of a like kind of shrug my shoulders in to get through those tight spots i don't necessarily lean one way or the I, other i wonder kind of get- i wonder if my paying extra close attention to height is because i am so tall and i'm so conscious of hitting mm. doorways when i go in i'm six foot six wow. oh wow so i often will hit a doorway when i'm going in my own uh, kitchen here i practically knocked myself out a couple of times running into it so i think i'm just really aware of getting hit in the head and i think that might have something to do with it but i think the roof of the car would probably protect me more than me (laughs) scrunching down in my seat (laughs) excellent just mirror everyone uh listeners if you would like to submit your just mirror everyone's we often take them from listeners however we are short on time right now um but don't being don't allow me saying we're short on time to make you think that I'm saying don't talk a lot because I want a lot from you. I, <laughs> I don't want you to feel pressed for time. I'm just saying I'm trying to push us through stuff. 
Um, Look, I've been on dates before. I know what a woman says. Oh, man, I'm really I got a lot going on right now. I'm so no, busy. I'm trying I know to that's a way to try no, to wrap no, no, up. No, no, early. no, I'm not. Because I've also got the, all these wonderful questions from people we got to get. We want to get to. So anyway, uh, tweet your just me or everyone to at A-R-I-Y-N-B-F on Twitter. Use the hashtag J-M-O-E for just me or everyone. We often we, we usually take them from listeners. OK, I believe you also have a hey, go fuck yourself. Yes. I let's do. Hear, let's I do. hear yes. that. Okay. This is um, this is a step beyond you and your terrible treatment of the wonderful millipede. Oh, no. Okay. <laughs> this is in the news today as we record this. Yellowstone National Park, Allison and Tony, now has too many buffalo. Mm. They need to call the herd. I hate so they're I it's a terrible word. So and I understand that there are reasons in nature to have fewer animals in a certain spot. I understand that there are reasons to do that, but what they've decided to do is give the American public the opportunity to shoot and kill a Buffalo at Yellowstone national park. So they put that up on the website and 45,000 people applied. Oh my God. To kill a Buffalo. Now a Buffalo is a beautiful, beautiful, majestic animal. There has to be another way. If you've got Buffalo's, why don't you take some of them out of Yellowstone National Park and put them in a zoo or put them on a reserve? There's a lot of ways to start sterilizing buffalo so you don't have so many baby bison, right? The fact that 45,000 people could look at an animal like that and raise a gun to their eye and shoot it dead and be happy about it, that's my go fuck yourself. Yellowstone National Park. Hey, 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 go fuck yourself. That is one of the best hey, go fuck yourselves we've ever had. Well, yeah, I felt that's very it. I really, disturbing. it's, it made me sick. It really did that somebody would do that. I understand, I understand animal management, but I don't understand somebody who would take joy in putting an animal down like that. Right. I have often had a little bit of judgment. So there are people who, who are like, you know, if you can't kill the animal yourself, you shouldn't eat meat. Um, if you're going to eat meat, you should be able to kill the animal yourself. And I understand that argument. I understand that it, you know, if you are uncomfortable with an animal dying, but you're, you're eating something you bought in the grocery store, you've, there's cognitive dissonance and you've become separated from the process. At the same time, I feel like oftentimes people who say that they are enjoying killing the animal. I agree. And that's the part I don't get. Look, yeah. I haven't eaten cows, pigs, sheep, goats. I haven't eaten any of that for over 30 years. Um, all I ask is I don't begrudge other people who do. I understand it's a personal choice. And if you want to eat that, go ahead. I just want the animals to be killed humanely. I want them raised humanely and I want them killed humanely. That's all I am asking. And these factory farms, and I'm not going to go down this road and get all dark on you, but these factory farms, these horrendous conditions they have right up until the last second when they're cruelly killed is just, as far as I'm concerned, it's just just a crime. It really, it should be. It should be a crime. So yeah, just uh, just treat them humanely. That's all. If you're going to raise them for food, give them a good life while they're here and then kill them in a non-painful way. That's all I'm asking, certainly. And these people go out and hunt and miss or hunt and wound, especially with like a bow and arrow or something like that. And then that poor animal goes off in the wood and curls up and dies. It's ter- it's terrible. I just, I don't understand how something like that's allowed. I really don't. And you can cut all of this out if you want. And I no, apologize. No, we're keeping for- it because it starts with the millipedes. 
<laughs> yes, it does. Look, everyone has a line of what they of what they're willing to to kill and eat, and it depends on where your line is, yeah. right? There are people who think nothing of eating dogs, but they would eat a pig tomorrow. And as far as I'm concerned, dogs and pigs are exactly the same. They're both sweet and lovable and affectionate and intelligent and friendly. They're exa- it's just random that we choose. Right. Okay, dogs are no, we can't eat a dog. But a pig, absolutely we can. There's no difference, Allison. I think uh, pigs are supposed to even be smarter than dogs. Well, they are. Yeah, they are. I mean, I just don't know what the criteria are right. for people it's, to decide which animals they eat. It's very arbitrary. When I That's think, right. When I think about it, it causes me. And as I, whenever I, I mention this, I always say to people, please don't send me any videos that are going to be disturbing because I can't handle it. But it, and it, I can't either. It, I ha- it involves a level of cognitive dissonance for me because mm-hmm. when I think about it, I can't stand it. Right. Um, no, I understand. That's fair. I mean, it's look, it's good that that's in the back of your head because at some point down the road, that will uh, that will affect the decision that you make. Right. Right. So thank you for that. Um, thank you. OK, so let's take some questions that listeners sent in on Patreon. Uh-oh. I'm on Patreon, patreon.com slash Allison Rosen, uh, weekly bonus episodes, Zoom parties. I have introduced a new perk where you can if you're at the $10 and up level, you can text me and I'll text you back. It's been super fun. I, I won't just ask you questions if you're an exterminator. Um, <laughs> I, that's my promise to you. Um, and uh Oh, and you get the Thursday show videos. I mean, just all sorts of fun stuff. Okay. And you and you can submit questions and you can submit carbs for the Thursday show. When we ask, they send them in. They're wondering how you have been. So thanks so much for answering these questions from our fans. Okay. Allie M. But it's not... The Aliam with whom you do your show says, mm-hmm. um, I'm a recent Al- Allison Rosen's new best friend subscriber, so I don't know Allison's history all that well, but I would like to know both of your honest opinions about Adam Carolla. I always thought he was hilarious when he called into Kevin and Bean, but some of his other commentary seems pretty questionable. And do you have any intention of ever retiring since you're the healthiest man alive and are going <laughs> and you're going to live forever? Yes, thank you, Ali. I am. You want to go first or you want me to? You go first. Adam is maybe the funniest person I've ever met in my life. Genuinely, no one makes me laugh harder than Adam. And and curiously, maybe number two or tied for number one is Jimmy Kimmel. Thank God those two found yeah. each other through the Kevin and Bean Show because they are both geniuses. So, so funny. I've lost track. I love Adam. I've lost track a little bit of the podcast in recent years. I do see him turn up in the news once in a while, and I'm a little bit surprised. I don't know. I don't really have much of a comment on some of the inflammatory things that he said because I don't know the spirit in which it's those things are being said. Alan says, Adam says things to be funny sometimes, or he says things because they're going to get a reaction. So I don't really know how much of what he says he believes and how much of what he says is show business. Mm-hmm. I don't, but I consider him a friend and I love the dude and I think he's hilarious. Um, That is all very nice. I, I do think that he has, I think he believes the things he's saying. I also think he's angry. Um, obvi- I mean, we should obvi- obviously, <laughs> I have a different relationship with him than than you do one that has a little more conflict um but i agree that he's really funny i agree with that and when i miss when i think back on my four years on the show now that we're you know further out from the way it ended 
um, I do find myself feeling nostalgia sometimes for the the good times and for the joking around. And I mean, that was a real treat to be able to, to the, the, the funny times on that show were so funny and so fun and kept me on my toes and stuff. Um, and then there was a fair amount of negative stuff for me personally too. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that's what I have to say about that. It's so funny because I think I have a fair assessment of the things that I'm good at and the thing I, things I'm not. And I look at Adam and he's light years ahead of me in terms of how little he needs to make something funny. Mm-hmm. You know, what can Adam complain about? Doesn't matter what you throw at him. He'll figure out some way to complain about it, right? <laughs> he got he does stand-up where he walks into a club and only does stand-up from topics that are given from the audience. Mm-hmm. Like he has nothing prepared. That's just, uh, to me, that's just astonishing that a person is that bright and that sharp. So I'm kind of in, in awe of his talent and I, I miss him a lot. Mm-hmm. Have you talked to him at all lately? We do every once in a while, not not too often. You know, Adam refuses to text. He just doesn't believe in it. But uh, yeah, every once in a while we talk and, and and we're friendly, but we just don't run in the same circles anymore. Mm. He's very wealthy. <laughs> um, and do you have any intention of ever retiring? Um, That's an interesting question. You know, I sort of did. You know, when we moved to England, I started from scratch. My intention was to come over here. And get a radio job. I did not feel at all like I was out of things to say. I really enjoy the art of broadcasting. I've been a radio fan since I was in single digits. And I was excited about doing radio over here. And as it turned out, even with the pandemic, just before that, in February of 2020, I did get hired. I'm on a radio station here that's on in uh, London and Birmingham and Manchester and Glasgow. Uh, I'm just part-time there, but it's a station called Podcast Radio, Allison. Have you heard about this? I heard about it when I was researching you. Okay. Yeah. So I'm a pod jock on that station. So I do uh, content in between the podcasts, which is kind of fun. Mm-hmm. And I love being on the radio here in London. So I, I wasn't technically retired. I've had that part-time job. But then as the summer of 2020 went on and we weren't able to go anywhere and do anything, and then Allie McKay started getting in touch and saying, we should do a podcast. I started thinking, man, I really do miss all these things are happening in the news that I'm not allowed to, I don't have any way to, I have no outlet, right? No way to comment mm-hmm. on. And that's when we decided to do our show and I'm really, really enjoying it. So as of now, I don't have a date uh, that I'm working toward to hang it all up. I think there will come a time where I won't want to have the commitment of having to do a show. But for right now, I'm really, really enjoying it. Um, here's a question from Allison Rosen. Cup of tea in a chat is so well done. Um, what's the prep like for that? Like, how does that how does it go for you guys? And are do you have a producer or are you doing all the all the production? No, it's it's just, well, I do the production. I handle all of the audio. Yeah. Uh, Ali and I are a two man shop. We, we can't afford a Tony Faxton in, in our operation. <laughs> uh, so we're doing it all, which in some ways, you know, is a real contrast to the show that we had that had a bunch of people on it when we were together at K Rock and we actually had a producer and an assistant producer and we had a production audio guy, right? Uh, so we're doing all of those things ourselves, but it also is very gratifying that we have created this business. We've started this business from scratch and it's really successful. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's hard work, but it's uh, satisfying work. I like that. To answer the other part of your question, it takes about as much maybe a little bit more preparation than it did when I used to be doing the Kevin and Bean show because you're never done 
looking for content, mm-hmm. right? We're always looking for stories. I'm always pulling audio for stories. We're always, uh, you know, Allie's doing all the Patreon stuff and running that page. And, you know, that can take a lot yeah. of time and handling all the merch and handling all the subscriber increase. So she's doing a whole bunch of stuff that I'm not. And then I'm over here doing a lot of the production and content stuff as well. So we're both working really, really hard. It's funny because, you know, a lot of times people will say three days a week isn't enough. You got to do five. I'm like, we're lucky to get three done. Allison, I don't know how you've done almost a thousand episodes of this podcast. Well, it's been, it's yeah, but I mean, it's been over. Thank you. It's been over a number of years, though, because I even, right. as someone who knows, I was listening and I'm like, holy, holy cow, they do three of these a week. Um, Do you guys, I'm now I'm asking for, I, I'm asking for behind the scenes info, but do you plan out, do you talk to each other about what stories you're going to do ahead of time? Um, yeah, we have a rough outline. We're, you know, we're on WhatsApp all the time mm-hmm. and Allie will say, I want to, I want to talk about A, B and C. And, uh, so I'll know that she's got those and I'll, we don't plan it out in terms of what order we're going to do or anything like that. We just kind of guide the conversation as it makes sense right. to, to pop off on different topics and stuff. And we have a few regular features that we do. Every Wednesday, we have a subscriber on and play a game. Quiz Show Wednesday, we do. Every Friday, we both pick a song to add to our Spotify playlist, some new music that we think people might like for the weekend. On Monday, we do a great news feature, which is something that Allie kind of started back in the Kevin and Bean days, where it's just kind of a happy, feel-good story. So we do have a couple of benchmarks along the way mm-hmm. that we do. And we play calls, at the as you do. We play calls at the end of every episode too and that's a great joy because they hear from the subscribers so we kind of have a framework of how it goes but you never know what's what's in the news you know like we spent a bunch of time on this most recent episode trying to decide what to do with my hair you know sometimes it'll be that but we'll also spend a very have a very serious conversation about the promising young woman woman movie you right. know and about the topics that that brings up so it kind of runs the gamut of serious topics to lightweight topics but that's what makes it fun it makes it stimulating and different every time you do a show yeah, it's it's really really well done. And all the audio, are you playing all of that live or do you put in some of that after? No, it's all live. It's all live. I mean, I've I have a lot of stuff edited before we start the show, right? you know, and if there's a story that lends itself to me pulling sound from mm-hmm. it, a news actuality or something like that, I'll have that. But that's all skills that I developed mm-hmm. from doing the morning radio show for so long. But like sometimes there'll be a like audio under a story, just like a mu- music under a story or something. So you're doing mm-hmm. that live doing it all live yeah everything's live we try not to edit we try to the goal is at the end of the show to not have to go back and mm-hmm. edit sometimes there'll be a glitch or something that we have to or screw something up or whatever or it takes too long to get the person on the phone you know just yeah. little things like that but we try not to have to edit the content at all well i urge everyone go be a subscriber three times a week it makes me look lazy uh ray morgan <laughs> says where's your english accent ha we used to joke in that last year and a half when I was getting ready to leave and come to England, we always used to joke that I was going to end up with an English accent just by attrition from being here. Mm-hmm. But of course, that didn't happen. But the joke used to be that I always used to pretend that I was going to get this. And I always, the only impression I could do kind of sounds like a dumb impression of the Beatles. That was, <laughs> that was my English accent. So people always thought it was so funny that that's how I was going to talk. But of course, I come over here and I just sound like a big dumb American. So uh, unfortunately, I, I haven't picked up an English accent. But there are a lot of things that you find yourself saying differently just because you hear them that way. Like, I don't think in Fahrenheit anymore. I only think in Celsius. Like, mm. when it's 12 degrees out, I know what that means. I don't need to translate it anymore. It's just stuff you get used to. Right. But there are so many words that crack me up that I now find myself saying, like schedule, which is just <laughs> – 
I have to say scheduled out because that's how everybody says it, right? But Allison, saxophonist is a word here. Really? I don't have saxophonist. Oh. It's saxophonist. Oh, I right. like that better. I is it crazy? Right. Saxophonist. Yeah. That's so good. And it's uh, and everybody, you know, everybody always jokes about aluminium. I mean, there just are a lot of words that are very yeah, advertisement, right? Yeah, so I do find myself saying some of those sometimes, which is funny, but I don't think the English accent is coming back. To my detriment, trying to get a job in British radio right. as well, because I, I don't think they're enamored of the American accent. I don't think anybody's crazy to have a Yankee sounding guy on their show, even if I am a British citizen. Do you try to British it up on that Podjock show? No, no. I do. I, I will swap out a word if I know that there's a British word that will be more easily understood. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, did your mom have an accent or does your mom have an accent? Oh, she was British. So, yeah, she's gone, yeah. but she she was British. Yeah. It's interesting that- So I grew up with it. And you never had one as a child. Because one, so one well, of my very few friends that I've made as an adult, uh, we have sons the same age and she is British and her son has a little bit of an accent just from you uh-huh. know learning to speak from her. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm sure if, you know, if you're growing up learning the language, I'm sure some of that would rub off right. for sure. But I, I think I'm too far gone. I think I'm pretty much stuck with sound like this. Um, okay. Sarah Ellis, longtime Kevin and Bean listener. I'd love to hear about his best and worst experiences with bands and musicians and his favorite Kevin and Bean memory. Well, that's a big topic, isn't it? Yeah, I know. It's like an essay question. <laughs> Wait for Kevin Ryder's book. I'm sure all of that is <laughs> going to be in the book when it comes out later this year. Um, you know, there are too many to give you a definitive answer. I will say I'm so grateful that I had the opportunity to be at K-Rock as long as I did and be, you know, for folks who don't know who listen to your show around the world, K-Rock is, used to be anyway, the premier rock station in America, really. It's an alternative rock station, but... We were there to see so many things. I mean, you know, just being in a room while Metallica is blasting your face off from six feet away, you know, just occasions like that or doing a live breakfast show interview performance with you too, you know, those sorts of things where you're up close to these legends. And also, you know, some of the nicest people in the world that you meet, you know, Shirley Manson from garbage and people like that come in and it's just, you can't believe you get to meet him because they're so awesome and they're so cool, you know? And then somebody like Billie Eilish comes in and you're like, Oh my God, she's going to be so famous that she's never going to even remember this interview. But how fun is this that I'm here with this 17 year old girl who's a genius, you know? So they're just all as a huge music fan. It's a dream to have the opportunity to interview. And we interviewed Everybody, you think about all the guests we had on the show, Allison, plus all of the weenie roasts, plus all of the acoustic Christmases, you know, interviewing people like Jack White, who I just adore. I mean, there are just so, so many of them. Uh, it was a dream gig for a music fan. I mean, I was a huge K-Rock fan long before I ever worked there. I used to vacation in Los Angeles in the 80s. Mm-hmm. And one of the reasons I did it was to record K-Rock because there was no internet. There was no way right. to hear a station in another city. So I literally would fly into LA and set up a, a janky ass tape recorder, hit record for 90 minutes while I went out and ran around in town and then come back and flip, the, you know, put a new tape <laughs> in and stuff just so I could get all this K-Rock because there was no station like it. And if you'd have told me a few years later that Kevin and I would be lucky enough to work there, I never would have believed it. But I mean, it was a dream job. I'm, I'm very, I'm very blessed to have had the opportunity. How did, you know, this, this might be too, too big a topic. I might have to wait for Kevin's book for this too, but how did you get into radio? You know, like a lot of people, like, 
maybe most, I don't know. I fell in love with it as a kid. You know, I just, I was, you know, I, I was a little too old for the transistor under the, under the pillow thing that you hear from so many older people, but I just fell in love with music and fell in love with radio. It's all I ever wanted to do. I, I was a, you know, when I was eight, nine, 10 years old, I was doing little radio shows in the neighborhood on cassette and interviewing neighbors and whatnot. And then when I had the opportunity to go to college, I went to a uh, university of Maryland in college park, Maryland. And part of the reason I went is because of their college radio station. Mm-hmm. And as soon as I, as soon as I walked in, Alice, and I was like, it's, I'm never going to finish college. I know that. And I did end up dropping out as soon as I got a full-time radio job, but it was just, I'm so, I keep saying how blessed I am. And I just mean it because I knew what I wanted to do from the time I was a little kid and you did, and it. I had the opportunity to do it. How many people get that? How many people have that opportunity, you know, to do the thing Mm. like people who want to be a professional basketball player or an astronaut or a radio DJ rarely grew up and be any of those things, but I was lucky enough to do it. So yeah, yeah, just knock on wood. And I'm so grateful to still be doing it in a little different format than, uh, than I'm used to, but I still get to, to be behind a mic and talk to people and I still love it. And last question, Krista Lorenz says, how does he feel about being a more open, honest version of himself on the podcast? As a longtime fan, it is so refreshing to get to know him all over again. I've been team bean since middle school and will always be. Thank you. That's a very sweet uh, compliment. Um, I got to give, well, far, a podcast you tell me you've done both lends itself to more intimacy. Mm. I think with the audience, you have a different connection. I think even than with the distractions of a morning show and a music and commercials and a bunch of other people talking. And it's just Allie and me and Allie is not afraid to give her opinion and not afraid to speak sincerely about difficult topics. And I think, uh, you know, I respect that and that rubs off on me and I think that's the way to go. And I think uh, there's kind of no reason to have an artifice at this point. There's no reason to be a character. Why not be yourself? You know, even some of the things you and I have talked about here today in terms of mental health and things are things I probably would have been uncomfortable saying on the radio like five years ago. Mm. But I think the older you get, whether you have a radio show or not, I think the more you try to be true to yourself. Yeah. And I think that's probably where it comes from. I think that's great. And I think pod, that's what podcast listeners want. They want, you know, the on the, the most recent, the Thursday show that uh, came out on Thursday, as is probably obvious. What, the Thursday show came comes out, out on, on Thursday It came now? out on Thursday, yeah. It's, um, I hope it doesn't confuse people. But it's just the Thursday <laughs> version of my show. It's, uh, a, you know, it's a, a group show. And it's usually fairly... It's light, but we also talk about real stuff. But on this this past uh, Thursday episode was a little bit more real, and people a couple people were a little more vulnerable than usual. And the feedback has been so strong. So many people like just saying this episode. Like I was crying, I got tears in my eyes. This episode meant so much to me. This is my favorite episode. This is the best episode. Like people want something real because they're feeling it. <laughs> I agree. And I will tell you t- great credit to our subscribers who we call the teabaggers. They also are willing to share vulnerable things with us. I mean, they call and talk about how our show has helped them through a tough time when somebody was dying or they had a serious problem or whatever. Or, you know, sometimes they just call because they're just so happy and they just want to share with somebody they just got vaccinated. You know, I mean, it's people are, you really do feel like it's, and I know you feel this way about your, by the way, what is your, what is your audience called? Are they the, I need, the Rosanettes? What are they well, called? So they, they call themselves Allison people. There's like mm-hmm. the most 
the the like core of super devoted listeners who have they have a podcast called BFF Fancast about this podcast, which is a, so fl- I love that they call themselves Allison people. Um, and I think other your than that, people have to be called best friends. Oh, that's that's really good. That's really they, good. don't they? They do. Hey, they're your best friends. Listeners, like do you guys want to be choice, called best yeah. friends? What did you say, Tony? Oh, I just said yeah. It seems like the logical choice, right? Do you guys want to be called the <laughs> the best friends? Yes, I'm, as if I'm waiting for a response. <laughs> I know. So our best friends, our teabaggers, aren't afraid to call and be real either. And we play those calls and we talk about those topics. And it really does feel like a real community. I mean, that's one of the things. And they're so supportive, like the comments on the Patreon page. It just makes me so proud to see, you know, somebody will write in about a tough time that they're going through or whatever. I'll give you a perfect example. Because we just had somebody call the other day who, about the promising young woman discussion that we had. And, um, he was like, look, I have four daughters and we're going through this issue of consent mm-hmm. right now. And, you know, he went into a little bit of detail, but not much, but you could tell he was hurting. He was hurting because people aren't teaching their sons in particular about consent and aren't teaching girls in some cases to stand up for those rights. And uh, the response, I mean, I, I hope he's happy he called because he got overwhelming response from the other listeners who were like, I'm right there with you. And I wish there was something I could do. And I know, that, you know, just doing everything they could to make him feel better. And you really feel like it's a big family. And I know that sounds corny and cliche, but it really feels like it. And I also think there's something about it being, being a Patreon podcast where these are not uh, people who are accidentally coming mm-hmm. across you on the radio dial who are sometimes listeners or they listen once in a while. These are people who have gone out of their way, made a conscious effort to put down their three bucks or five bucks or 10 bucks, whatever it is a month, because they are invested in you and your story and they want to be there. And I think they listen a lot close, more closely and they listen to every single episode and everybody's on the same page. And it's, uh, it really is. I've never been a part of something like this before with all the years I had in radio. This is somehow even more special. Yeah, it is really special. That's the, one of the things I discovered when I, cause I hesitated for a while to do Patreon. And then once I started doing it, I was like, I didn't realize how much I was going to love this. Right. It's, it is really yeah. special. Yeah, we have the greatest. We have the greatest people. You know, we just started. Uh, I don't remember where it came from. But we just started this thing where we we have a section on the Patreon page where people who are running their own businesses can promote them. Oh, that's cool. Which is a s- super easy idea. But already we're seeing so many people, you know, writing in or calling in and going, "Yeah, I needed some hot sauce, and one of your people makes hot sauce." Or, "Yeah, I needed an air conditioning repairman, and you've got one." So it's somebody that they feel like they can contact and trust because they're all teabaggers, <laughs> and that just makes you feel good. It feels like you're really yeah. improving their lives by giving them a, a, a an option like that. You're making that. a community. That's great. Well, Bean, thank you so much for uh, coming on my show. I have. Are loved- we done? Hasn't it been like 10 minutes? <laughs> <laughs> I loved, I've loved talking to you. I feel like, I feel like we could, we, you'll, you'll just have to come back. That's all there is to it. Well, I'd be, I'd be happy to do that. I was trying to remember, have you and I never spoken a word to one another? I think we before? have, because I think that either once or twice, I think twice you were a guest on the Adam Carolla show when I was there. Mm-hmm. Um, that was the only thing I could think is yeah. that maybe we crossed paths there a little bit. Yeah. I feel like maybe once at the John Lovitz theater and once at that Italian restaurant that I'm for Amalfi. Mm-hmm. I, That's very possible. I remember seeing you on the screen and hearing about hearing about the goats, but I don't think we've ever, I think that's the only, <laughs> that's our, that's the only time we've crossed paths. 
Can I ask you one question before we yes, go? Yes, you can. Can you give me some advice as somebody who has been, because, you know, Allie and I are seven months in, eight months in, right? So you've been doing this for a long time. The one problem that we are finding ourselves having is trying to get more people to know about the show. Yes. We've got a huge former audience from the Kevin and Bean days who don't even know that Allie and I do a podcast. So outside of our own social media where we are free to promote it, we don't know how else to, mm-hmm. to go about doing it. How do you spread the word about your show? So that is a real challenge that mm-hmm. uh, that's one of those things where like we were trying to take, take it all the way back the the when i start worrying about that stuff and then i think like at the end of my life i'm going to look back and wish i hadn't spent so much time belly aching over these kinds of things that being said my <laughs> advice would be what i have found to be the best way is to just go on other people's shows because then you're nobody getting- wants to talk to me allison <laughs> look you were desperate so i got the call but most most podcasters don't give a hoot about me. Everyone would want to talk to you. No. Do you go on Never Not you know, Funny with your with your real life yes. friend Jimmy Pardo? Okay, I have, yeah. and Allie, and Ali has been on there as well. And by the way, we got a lot of new subscribers out of that. And I and I do want to urge people to check out if they're not willing to you know drop a dime on a show they don't know. Check out the free show. Yeah. It goes up every single Monday, and it's a weekly free sampler of stuff all from the previous week. And if you like it, then come check us out on Patreon. I, I hope you will. And like. I know that you do encourage your teabaggers to tell their friends. That's a good way too. Mm-hmm. But I think I know because yeah. I, I have that same feeling of like I can tweet, but the people who are seeing this tweet are already following me. So it's like – That's right. I think it's just That's a right. matter of going on shows. Well, and my situation is because of the K-Rock thing, I know there's a ton of audience out there who would enjoy the mm-hmm. show. I know it. It's just a question of how to get to it. Yeah. Maybe I need to look into like digital advertising or something. I just don't know anything about all that. Yeah, you know? I don't, We're all learning new skills. Right. So. Tony, what do you think? It's tricky. Yeah. It's but same thing. Like I think guesting on on other shows and and yeah, it's really so much of it can be word of mouth. Like um because like for me for bizarre albums is especially because I don't really have guests. So like I don't have people to like say, hey, I was on this show. Um, so it right. makes it hard. So I do feel like it, it like hits a plateau at some point. Um, but then, yeah, word of mouth can just be so huge. Cause I think that's been a big thing for, for, for my show. Yeah. Well, I am happy to promote bizarre albums. I love it. Thank it is you. so flat. So, and it stuns me every time I see what the next re- record is. I'm like, holy cow. I can't believe you're doing this one. <laughs> you know, it's just, it's a joy, Tony. Really. Thank Congratulations. you. Congratulations. That means a lot. I appreciate that. Um, and I think that I got some Patreon subscribers from you playing a clip of my show when I had Ralph Garman on. So thank you. Oh, good. Yeah. Good. Yeah. Well, that was a great interview. Oh, thank that you. was a really, really great interview. So yeah. You. And, you, and you'll have Kevin on when his book comes out, I That's hope. That's right. When is his book coming out? I don't think we have a date okay. yet, but I think it'll be I think it'll be later this year. I mean, you might as well, you know, make the rounds, I know. get us all. I had I had Lisa May, I've had Ralph Garman, I had Allie, uh-huh. I've had you, I've had Jensen. Right. Um, okay. So all I'm missing is Kevin, I guess. Is Kevin, yeah. I've got the whole pack. I'm so glad we had a chance to do this, Allison. Thank you, Thank so, you so much. much. So tell Evan- And I didn't get to meet I didn't get to meet Daniel, but tell him tell him I'm a fan of his as well. So you guys keep doing what you're doing. Thank you. I will. Um and tell everyone where they can find your show. And any plug anything the- else you'd like to plug. 
the free show is wherever you get your podcasts, which is a such a trite thing to say, but it is. You'll find it in all the usual places. And then just patreon.com slash Allie and Bean. I don't really have anything else to promote. I have a super dumb Twitter handle, um, Allie and Bean on Instagram, if you want to check that out. And uh, I'd love to hear from some of your listeners who have enjoyed this show. Yes, wonderful. Thank you so much. And um, if you like what you're hearing, please remember to leave a nice review. Five stars is my favorite number on Apple Podcasts. Make sure you're subscribed or following, whatever the term is now. Download. Tell your You heard us talking about this. So please tell your friends. Um, follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Allison Rosen. I'm on Cameo. I'm on Patreon. Oh, I forgot to mention, I offer an annual Patreon subscription um, and you get two months free if you sign up for that. So if you like a deal, 12 months for the price of 10 if you sign up annually. And uh, Tony, what am I forgetting? I feel like I feel like it seems like to be about everything. Chi- yeah. I don't think you mentioned childish. Listen to childish, my other podcast with Greg Fitzsimmons. There you go. All right, Tony. What about you? Uh, I am on Twitter and Instagram at Tony Thaxton, and my podcast Bizarre Albums every Tuesday. And there's also a Patreon for that. I don't always mention that Patreon.com/slash Bizarre Albums, and that focuses on singles every week instead of albums. So check that stuff out, please. Wonderful. Um, thank you again, Bean. This was so great. Listeners, thank you for listening. I love you. You matter. Goodbye. Hey, do you know about the Allison Rosen Show? We had a good time, but now we gotta go. Yeah, Allison Rosen.